even with glasses, my eyesight's not very good, so I can't see you very well, but I, I do see you in the corner now. Okay, that's yeah. fun. You're listening to Don't Read the Synopsis, a bookish podcast where we read and talk about all things books, except the synopses. I'm Zach. And I'm Devin. We are bookish besties, mood readers with cursed buddy reads, and a love of romance. So, welcome to the show, everyone. Devin, do we want to check in about life and how things are going since we recorded our very first episode of a podcast ever? Yes, I have something very silly to share. Let's hear it. I bought new pillows. That's exciting. Everybody loves a good new pillow. I mean, I have I have a favorite pillow, but the problem is the pillows behind it, or I don't know, I need a lot of pillows. I'm someone who likes a lot of pillows. And so I got some new ones and I haven't slept on them yet because they have to like, they're made out of something that has to grow for 24 Mm. to 48 hours. Oh, that, that is bougie, which is on par for you. Yeah. They came like, they came vacuum sealed. And so I had to, Mm. uh, let them air out or whatever. So I'll report back about how they do, but I'm excited about them. This will break your pillow loving heart. I sleep with one a night because when I was 17, I had a very serious spine slash brain injury, uh, which caused me to be in the hospital for three months. And I had to lay flat, like literally on my bed, it said zero degrees. So I had to lay at zero degrees, like flat, like actually it's technically 180 degrees, but hospital beds measure from the point of, yeah. So, and I could not use a pillow at all. Like it's that serious. And so when I got out of the hospital, I've never really been able to go back to using a pillow. So I use one sort of a night, but yeah. Yeah. Keep us updated on that. Oh, that does make me sad. I love it. I love like a bunch of fluffy. I don't know. It just, it feels very cozy. It's, it feels very cozy and it feels very luxurious or something, even if they're not even great. It just feels very decadent in some way to have like a bunch of pillows and I say that which makes me laugh because I just spent some time at my parents house over Christmas and my mom has a thousand I mean so many pillows on her bed little pillows big pillows fluffy pillows it's hysterical so I I think that I she must have somehow instilled that you know love of pillows there my only life update is that I'm starting a new job on Tuesday. So like, definitely I know I'm excited. very excited for you. I hope very that excited. you manage to end up at the right building. I do too. For those of you who don't know, I'm starting at a lo- very large university um, as a counselor there. So uh, stay tuned to see how that goes. But I'm very, very excited. It'll be a good, for, a good next step for me in my career. Universities are wildly confusing with their buildings. People still stop me. Students will still stop me on campus and ask me where something is. And I've taught where I teach for six years and I still have to stop and kind of think about where that building they ask me is, or sometimes they change names. And I think, I don't know what this person's talking about. And of course, then I feel very silly. You've been to the university I'm going to be working yes, at. It's much bigger than my own university. So that's why I say I feel silly when someone asks me and I don't know where a building is. Yeah. So, but they're all, all universities are kind of confusing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do we want to talk about what we've read recently? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. what What was your uh, latest read? Okay. Uh, the first book I'm going to talk about, I actually listened to and read it physically 
And that is The Sacrifice by Ren Chapeco. This was published by Source Fire Books in September 2022, so not that long ago. I read this at the end of December, but I haven't talked that much about it anywhere, so I wanted to bring it. One of the things that I learned this year, as I talked about last episode, is that I enjoy books where nature's doing something weird. And that is a pretty good description of what's happening in The Sacrifice. We are on a mysterious island in the Philippines. The locals from around the island, they don't really live on the island, but it's sort of, you know, it seems to be a series of islands. And this one particular one is the most frightening, even to the locals. They won't talk about what has happened there in the past, though it does seem to be relatively common knowledge that deaths occurred over time. So a Hollywood film crew has come to film the strange goings on on the island and talk about all of what has happened from the past that they know about and see if they can find locals to interview. They also want to explore the myths of this god, I guess I would say, uh, called the dreamer. And the myth is that the dreamer will grant fantastic power, but in exchange requires eight worthy sacrifices. The narrator is a local boy, Alon, who is non-binary and has agreed to serve as the crew's guide. And he's agreed to be on camera and talk about what he knows. It seems like he spends a lot of time really, though, trying to protect the crew. He really would like them to leave, but they are paying him a great amount of money and his father is ill. So he feels kind of compelled to to help them. And almost as soon as the crew gets there, and one of the things that's kind of interesting about the structure is the crew arrives kind of in stages. And so we get small amounts of weird things as the crew can continues to arrive. As soon as they kind of all get there, weird things start happening. A sinkhole suddenly appears, uh, which takes one of the trailers that they put up when they arrived with it. And out of the sinkhole is this odd tree. And that's all I'll say about that because the imagery there is so good. Alon continues to warn them that they should not be there, that they should leave, but danger, even around every corner, the crew persists and uh, keeps filming. Most of the crew is not really named. However, the lead of the crew, Ruben Hemslock, is a really terrible person. He's plagued by abuse accusations from many women in the past, and he sees the show as a way to repair his reputation. Two executive producers have come along with him, one who brings his teenage son, who is around Alon's age, and the teenagers end up spending a lot of time together. These are the most robust characters, I would say, Alon, the teenage boy whose name I can't remember, and Ruben. The rest of the crew isn't described in a lot of detail. And I have seen some reviews that say this is a problem that that these these other characters are one-dimensional but I think that is purposeful and actually clever so Alon as our narrator rarely uses their names 
And that does cause you to be disconnected from them. But I think it's a way to see who Alon cares about or, or who features prominently in his mind and who he doesn't, who he doesn't really care to even name for us. I was thinking about the way that in, in horror films, characters are expendable. So it doesn't really matter if you get to know them. And there are a lot of deaths in this kind of YA horror novel. I didn't find disconnection because Alon is the narrator and he's who I cared about the most. So it was more that I was seeing people through his eyes. But if you don't read it that way, I can see that you might feel disconnected from, from the rest of the characters. This is described as YA horror. I think that's a really good description. I will say there are some pretty graphic descriptions of death. So if you have a teen who really is interested in creepy mystery stuff, make sure that they're okay with some of those graphic descriptions. I would say probably 15 to 18 years old YA. There's really amazing descriptions, the eerie ghost sightings. And we also get this legend that dates to Spanish colonization of the Philippines. And I really liked that backstory of Cortez and colonization and the impact on the locals and the culture kind of coupled with this uh, creepy mystery. I think that Chepeco does a really great job of creating something always looming around the corner. It's lots of constant danger. And I really enjoyed Alon as a narrator. I guessed part of the twist, but I still found the conclusion really satisfying. I would say some blind date words for this book would be folklore, ghosts, revenge, and action. And that's The Sacrifice by Ren Chepeco. Well, you really sold me on that. And I had one audible credit left and I used it while you were talking because that sounds like something that would be right up my alley and I need more of that in my life. So there goes my last audible credit. Um, I feel like it was well spent. Hopefully it's not also available on script or I'm going to be really irritated with myself, but I don't think it is. I think when you told me about it previously I checked and it was not I think it was actually it was only $4.99 on Kindle just now I was looking as you were talking and um I remember the audio is good right like didn't you say something about the audio I being good I did like the audio a lot I think it's a male narrator because Alon our non-binary character presents with a male voice and I thought it was really great I enjoyed it, the audio a lot yeah. I listened more to the audio than I did read physically even though I have the physical book I, I prefer the audio experience. I think uh, books that are creepy or have like a creepy-ish, horror-ish atmosphere really hit different on audio for me. So that was why I decided I, to do I that. also think I really like audio where there are names that I might not, that I would have to look up how to pronounce. Yeah, I like easier. hearing, yes, I like hearing how the author intends for the names to be because, you know, I don't want to, mess that up which is how I knew how to say Alon's name all right moving into my first recent read I'm going to share with you guys on the show today is Pines by Blake Crouch the Wayward Pines book one okay so I want to share with you all today that this is quite shocking that I love this book as much as I did um, Wayward Pines is a mixture of a psychological thriller, a mystery, horror, and even a pinch of drama. If you recognize the title here, this is the novel that inspired the 20-episode two-season hit TV show, which can now be watched on Hulu, 
I think it's called Wayward Pines or, or just Pines. I believe it's called Wayward Pines. I do plan to watch the show after I read all three of the books in the series. I want to mention here that I listened to this book for free through Penguin Random House Audio, who kindly provided me with an audio arc of the book for review. As a reminder, I don't generally share or read the synopsis of books with you guys, but I generally have an idea of what it's about or what genre it is. I knew about the show and sort of the plot, but nothing else really. This was my first ever Blake Crouch book, an author I've wanted to try for a while now, and he's quite popular. Blake Crouch may sound familiar to you. He is the author of Dark Matter, which is a sci-fi mystery novel, and his most recent book is Upgrade, which is also a sci-fi mystery novel. Um, he, he seems to really hit the niche of like psychological thriller meets sci-fi. That seems to be his jam, and Pines was no different than that. Um, if you're looking for something to kind of take a break from your like go-to genres, uh, this is a good one to try out. That's what happened to me. I was kind of tired of romance, which doesn't happen to me often, but I do break up my reads with other things. And I was looking through my Penguin Random House audio app and the cover was absolutely beautiful. And that's what kind of like drew me to it. And I've been fighting the urge to buy them ever since. You should look them up, but they remade the covers of the series and they're absolutely beautiful. And I really want them on my shelf. If you don't know or haven't heard about the show, Pines is about a Secret Service agent who wakes up one day after a bad car accident in the town of Pines, or Wayward Pines. Him and a friend were there on a mission to solve the disappearance of one of his co-workers. Ethan Burke, our protagonist, has a family back home in Seattle who he is hopeful will come for him at any minute. There is so much more that I could say about the setup, but you really should go into this with as little knowledge as possible. I will sell this to you by saying, when he wakes up, he learns that nothing in the town is what it seems. Time is different, he can't remember basic details about his life, his things are missing, and he comes across some interesting side characters, some new, and some may just be from his past. I ended up giving this four stars, would have been a five star if it was last year me. At times, this book gave me chills, and I felt terrified for Ethan and on the verge of my seat as he attempted to navigate this almost foreign world. I really recommend it on audio, the narrator Max Myers, who just does a stellar performance and captures every breathtaking moment. I realized when looking into the audio, they are being redone on audio and are releasing for the first time. You can find all three on audio on February 14th of this year. Now, as I always will, attempt to sell you on a book. I use, like Devin, the blind date with a book method. And so I wanted to give you guys that sort of setup to try to sell you on this even more. If you're a fan of the TV show Lost, if you've been craving a mix of horror, thriller, mystery with some spicy drama, honestly, the drama kind of like threw me for a loop. I didn't expect it. It was like the kind of soap opery reality TV show sort of drama. If you want your heart to race, and I mean that truly, I don't use those words lightly. If you're okay being slightly confused, and if you want a book to TV adaptation to explore in 2023, I would recommend Pines by Blake Crouch. Definitely sold me um, on him as an author, and I definitely will be continuing the series so I can watch a TV show. So I've seen the first couple of episodes of the show and now I'm interested in reading the books it's a trip man it's a trip mm. and it's creepy it's very creepy in yeah, my opinion my creep factor remember. is pretty low but I don't know I felt I found it found it very creepy I don't remember a ton about this show but what I do remember were the vibes which mm -hmm. was like that Twin Peaks lost yeah, Lost. Really? It reminded me of Lost. 
especially in that like he goes to this town to try to solve the disappearance of uh, one of his coworkers, and it seems like it's a town that nothing makes sense in. Time isn't right. right. Details about himself are not right. He can't seem to call anybody from the outside world that would connect and make sense. It's like he's in this weird, warped world. And yeah. usually, like, it's not a dream, but usually things that are like dream sequences or that sort of feeling in books, I really, really hate. And so because this worked for me, I don't know, I feel like I really had to try to sell it to you guys. And it's being re-released on audio, but I also wanted to read a backlist book. I mean, this book was published, I'm not sure exactly when, but it was a while ago. How many books do you know are in this There series? are three. It's a trilogy. Okay. And they're all out already on, in paperback with the new covers. The audios are the ones that are coming out all okay. together on February 14th. That's really cool. Okay, my second book is uh, a graphic novel. I just finished a middle grade graphic novel called This Was Our Pact by Ryan Andrews. I have no clue how this made it onto my radar. It showed up this week on my Libby app as available. And I could see that I had requested it in like October. So I decided I should read it since it seems so popular and might not come back up again. This is published by First Second in 2019. The story is set on the night of the autumnal equinox. There are villagers that set hundreds of lanterns down the river every year in honor of a local folk legend. Ben and his friends have decided they're going to see exactly where the lanterns go. They're going to follow the river and see where the lanterns go. So they make a pact. No one turns for home. No one looks back. But pretty quickly, the friends start to give up, except for Nathaniel, whose love for the stars and just generalized nerdiness sets him on the outside of the group. And he's been sort of following them along, but holding back. And as the friends sort of abandon Ben, he reluctantly decides he's going to uphold the pact with Nathaniel. They quickly run into a fisher bear who is on a quest to fish as his ancestors did, and he becomes this sort of unexpected third member of the group. They eventually lose track of the path. There's some unplanned encounters, one with a feisty Madame Majestic, which leads to even greater adventures. And to say much more would really spoil Andrew's wonderful, earnest, whimsical graphic novel. This is a reflective story, even though there is constant action and adventure happening. It is quiet and reflective with what I described as these odd moments of hope. The color palette of the images show off the transformative nature that night can sometimes bring, as well as the power of the stars. There's a lot of blues, really, the, the entire story color palette is in blues and reds. The whole thing just moved me really unexpectedly. One of my favorite things about middle grade is that, is the way that I'm unexpectedly moved and compelled. Graphic novels and middle grade often has that effect on me, and this is a combination of those two. It's a quick read. You, you might be able to do it in one, one sitting. I took two days with it, and I loved every moment. I thought it was wonderful. It is whimsical, there's friendship, there's 
a lot of discussion about the cosmos and a lot of adventure. Those are the blind date words. So if you're looking for something to round out or usher you into the new year uh, in a whimsical, hopeful, reflective way, I highly recommend This Was Our Pact by Ryan Andrews, a middle grade graphic novel. Yeah, again, you have sold me. So I added that to my list. Um, Funny enough, uh, Devin and I did not realize this until uh, pretty close to recording that we both brought graphic novels to the show today. So the one I'm going to tell you guys about is Demon in the Wood, which is by Lee Bardugo, and it's illustrated by Danny Pendergrast. And uh, this is... So it's actually a funny story how I ended up with a copy of this book. I was at Barnes and Noble and had a Christmas gift card. So I was looking for new shelf editions. I came across a signed copy of Extraordinary by V.E. Schwab. I'm slowly making my way through her books. This is a graphic novel set in the world of Vicious and Vengeful, which I've read. And I plan to read Vengeful soon. I've read Vicious. Anyway, it was a signed copy, so I had to have it. I mean, I have a tattoo on my chest uh, based off Gallant by V.E. Schwab. So I'm collecting all things V.E. Schwab. I was walking around the store somewhere and went over to the YA graphic novel section and picked up Demon in the Wood. After some thought, I decided I would get it at a later time, even though it wasn't available at my library or anywhere I could rent it. I really struggle with buying graphic novels, but some I do like to read more than once. They are just so quick and I want to get my money's worth. Anyway, I went up to the checkout counter where everyone basically knows me by name because I'm in there without exaggeration two to three times a week. I go to the checkout and realize when I put Demon in the Wood back, I actually put the signed copy of Extraordinary back. I was way too embarrassed to stop the person and ask for a refund, so here we are. I may go back for the V.E. Schwab book at some point, but I have other signed things from her, so it's not a big deal right now. I just thought you guys would enjoy this funny story, and I was way too embarrassed to uh, do anything about it, so here we are. Anyways, Demon in the Wood is a novella written by Lee Bardugo. On Goodreads, it's listed as number zero in the Shadow and Bone series. There are actually two formats of this book. There is a traditional novella and then the graphic novel, which is based off the novella. I accidentally bought and read the graphic novel, as you just guys heard the story of. I'm happy to report I did enjoy it. This one comes in with a rating of four stars, which I'll talk more about in my goals later in the episode last year me again like pines would have given this a five star but 2023 is a year of tougher reviews or more honest reviews the setup for demon in the wood is we follow the well-known villain in quotations like villain i have to tell you guys it's in quotations because you can't see me in the shadow and bone series his name is the darkling we get to know more of his backstory and his life traveling around the grisha map with his mother First and foremost, this contains some of the most beautiful graphic novel art I've ever seen. And I read a lot of graphic novels, and it is just some of the most beautiful and stunning art I have ever seen. You can see the raw emotions play out on the pages in front of you. I would recommend that you don't start if you've never read any Grishaverse books. Grishaverse, if you don't know, is Shadow and Bone, the Six of Crows duology, and most recently, um, the Nikolai duology, King of Scars duology. I would recommend that you start with Shadow and Bone and read that trilogy before you read Demon in the Woods because it makes his backstory hit different. And I think it's nice knowing where the Darkling ends up uh, and then going back and seeing a little bit about his childhood. 
The only thing that kept this from being a five star is I would have liked a little more story. Though as I sit here writing the script, I feel nothing but satisfied with the story, which might feel confusing to you guys. Um, but recently I've been thinking about how the Shadow and Bone series really grew on me over time. I really hope to continue the series in 2023, like in the world, I've finished the Shadow and Bone series, but to continue in the Grishaverse um, this, uh, later this year. So stay, stay tuned to see if that actually happens. I just would have liked it to be longer, I think is the thing. I don't really have any critique about the story itself, but I think I would have liked this to be volume one of the Darkling's backstory. But yeah, that was Demon in the Wood, a graphic novel by Lee Bardugo and illustrated by Danny Pendergrass. I love a graphic novel. You don't love a fantasy series though, so. I do not. Although I'm, many, many, many of my students have talked at length about how much they do love uh, Shadow and Bone, so. It's not for you. I can tell you from knowing you and reading it, it's not for you. Yeah. So I am interested. She wrote Ninth House, right? Yes, which you have a better shot of liking. I did not love. Mm. Um, I think if you've read Ninth House, you know that only one thing happens in that book and it happens at the end and nothing else matters. And that was what was really frustrating for me in Ninth House, but that's a topic for a different day. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay, so we're going to move on to talking about our topic for the day, which is our reading goals for 2023. Before I get into specifics about my goals, I want to talk about why I set them or the approach that I take to them, because I think it, it makes sense. So I'm going to talk about that. And then I'm going to talk about my big goal. And then Zach's going to tell us about his, we're going to go back and forth. So clearly it's a new year, clean slate. And we get a chance to make intentions for the year, to make life goals, to make resolutions, to make reading goals, whatever you want to call them. And I've been asking myself, what are these goals for? Particularly when it comes to setting goals for reading, what purpose is a goal serving my reading life? I think it's a good way to think about any kind of goal, whatever it is that you that you sort of set for yourself for the year. If it's reading related, if it's personal, what, what how is the goal serving you? What is it doing? And I think about the way that intentions, I like to think of them as intentions. How does it add to my life? How am I enriched? How is it adding? So when I think about reading, I think about the way that I'm nourished and delighted by books in particular, by stories. And that's what I want to hold on to. Those two things, being nourished and delighted. So when I was considering setting reading goals, I was thinking about what works in that regard and what would add or enrich to my reading life. I don't want to have goals just as an intellectual exercise. I want my reading to grow and to evolve. And that's really where these goals are. So I have one big overarching goal, a few goals I want to continue from 2022 and a few new goals. And I'm going to talk about the big goal first. It's really simple. I want to have fun. I want to have fun reading and I want to not worry about how much I'm reading. I actually went yesterday as I was thinking about this in preparation for recording and changed my goal on StoryGraph and Goodreads. And I moved it to 125 because I don't want to be so focused on the amount of books that I'm reading. If I hit this goal early, then I can change it. But I know how busy my life is 
right now, particularly in the early parts of January and February, most of you know, and I've, I've mentioned before, I teach writing in a university, which means I'm already reading a lot. I'm reading a lot of student writing. I'm reading a lot of nonfiction for the classes that I'm teaching. I'm writing a lot about policies and documentation. I'm writing articles and I'm working right now on a scholarly project, which requires some reading and rereading that I'm in the middle of. So a lot of my January books are already accounted for and I don't know what I'll really be able to read outside of my assigned reading including my local bookstore book club. Shout out to Liberty Book Co. So I want to be realistic. I want to be compassionate with myself about where I can spend my energy and be okay where things end up. I want to make it clear, I'm the only person putting this pressure on myself to read as much as I do. (laughs) No one else is saying that I should read this. I try really hard not to spend a lot of time comparing my reading to other people's reading but this is my favorite thing to do. My favorite thing to do is to read a book. It has been since I was a kid. And there's so much out there that's just waiting for me to find it. So of course I want to read as much as I can, but it's important for me in this goal to relax a little bit about that, particularly when it comes to numbers. So I don't want to be so overly focused on that. And Zach can tell you, I will text him and be like, I've only read this many books so far. And it's just, I don't, that, I just don't want that to be my, my focus. So I'm trying to relax a little bit about that and not have that be kind of a sole motivating factor for my reading. All right. Uh, every time you text me that, I will play a clip of you saying this here. <laughs> not actually. All right. Like Devin, I want to start off by talking about why and how I set goals. I think Devin nailed it with her description of goal setting. What a mindful approach, and I'm here for it. Goal setting at the start of each year isn't actually something I've done a lot in the past, mostly because, let's face it, keeping up with goals, reading or not, through our busy ups and downs in life is really hard. However, it's possible, and this year I really want to strive to have better, healthier habits. As far as reading goals go, I have a few goals I want to share with you today. Goal one. And this is going to be uh, in contradiction to what Devin said. I just want you guys to remember that we as people and as readers are always at different parts of our lives. One year, we might be in the mood for one thing or in a position to do one thing. And the next year, we may not be in that position or that mood to do that thing. The first goal and the one I think is most of us ask each other as readers is how many books am I going to read this year? A good friend of mine, Neve, if you're listening, hi, we have set a goal to read 200 books this year. The reason we set the goal together is to help motivate and keep each other going and to understand the struggle together. Now, to some of you, that sounds like a small portion of the books you will read, or it may sound outrageous. Goal setting is for us as an individual in our individual lives, not as a group. Unless you're me and Neve and love to drag each other into things, then uh, your goal is your goal and no one else's. So last year, I read 128 books. In 2023, I'm going to attempt to read 200 books. That is the amount, that is the amount of books I have never read before. 128 for 2022 is more books than I've ever read in a year. And if you guys remember in the last episode, I talked about playing video games and listening to audiobooks. 
I fly through that because that's what I do after work and after dinner and after catching with Casey. That's what I spend the rest of my evening doing is playing video games and listening to audiobooks. And also my drive to work now has been extended by about 15 minutes, which I listen to books at two times speed. So that's about 30 minutes of an audiobook one way. I mean, that's an hour a day of an audiobook. So I feel like this is possible. But I am not the kind of person to beat myself up if I do not complete a goal. So if I get to the end of the year and I'm not at 200 books, I'm not going to feel any type of way. And I think if you do feel that way about your reading, kind of like what Devin was saying, then it's probably not very good for your mental health. Reading is to be enjoyed and to experience the lives of characters and stories that live in other people's heads. Like what a magnificent thing that authors bring us, things that live in their heads that they um, transport to us in our lives and into conversations. I mean, think about it. We have a podcast, there's booktube, there's bookstagram, there's what we call now booktranet, all based on concepts that started in people's heads. Like what a magnificent and magical thing that we all experience together. And I really hope that uh, going forward in 2023, that the book trinet, if you will, community is a much more positive space. I think in 2022, we fell into a lot of really unhealthy habits and conversations in the book world. And, I, and I've noticed a lot of major people moving away from those sort of conversations um, and into a more positive space. And letting go of a lot of the pressures that come with being a content creator in the book world. So yeah, that's my first goal of the year to read 200 books this year. So stay tuned on the podcast and find out if that happens. As we sit right now, I am five books ahead of schedule, trying to get ahead while I feel motivated, because uh, there would definitely be months where I am not. So yeah, that's my first goal. I want to say too, I think my goal is not really about the numbers, it's much more about being okay with whatever I end up reading. It's much more of a thing of like, you know, I don't give people a hard time for the amount of books they read or don't read. Like, why am I doing that to myself? And, but I do very much think, and I'm not, I don't know where the, exactly where this comes from, but I do think, oh, I'm behind, I'm behind, like I need to read more. And it's like, why? I did not start off 2022 the first couple of months reading very much. My reading took off much more in the summer because it's when I have more time. So if I am able to read more this summer, then maybe I'll up the goal. I just don't want that to be the motivating factor. Uh, you are your just, worst critic. Yeah, I'm, I am. I definitely am. Not just you, like I think humans in general, for the most yeah. part, are, we are our worst critics. And that is true. Like we use that as a cliche all the time, but it's absolutely true. So a few goals that I want to continue. I want to continue to read diversely in a wide variety of ways. I also want to find some ways to include some translated works as part of that diversity into my reading and I don't have much more to say about that, except that I think that we should all strive to read about experiences that are not our own and to read own voices and to expand our understanding of people in the world and humanity. And I also think that the first of the year is a really great time to dedicate to that. Uh, February is African-American History Month. We have March as Women's History Month. So the early part of the year is a good time to kind of dedicate to, to doing that. And almost every 
month, you can find sort of some, some interesting focus that hopefully people will bring attention to. So I wanna to continue to do that, to read diversely. I also want to continue to read nonfiction. I love learning new things. I particularly like listening to nonfiction, especially on campus as I walk from building to building or if I have some downtime waiting for students to come to office hours. There are some nonfiction audiobooks that I downloaded last year that I'd like to get to and some 2022 books that I did just didn't find the time for that I'd like to prioritize this year. So those are some things that I'd like to continue. I feel like worked well in 2022 and I wanna keep doing them in 2023. I will be here to cheer you on. I think at the beginning of the year, we all set these unrealistic goals. And part of the problem with that is we make too many changes at once. For example, I, I'm having some medical things. We'll go into too much detail about that, where I like medically need to eat better. Uh, my body is having some struggles and having good nutrition will really help with that. And so I'm learning how to cook, which is a big change for me. I literally could not make a grilled cheese sandwich and I'm not being dramatic. Devin has, I'm pretty sure I've sent Devin a picture of my attempt at making a grilled cheese. It's quite it's, it's really bad guys. So recently I've been learning how to cook. Casey got me a cookbook for Christmas. Uh, that's like five ingredients, simple things. And I've been doing really well with that. And so I want to make a note here as we talk about goals, do not make too many changes at once. I know a lot about addiction and recovery because of many of my family members and close loved ones have went through, um, many programs and that sort of thing. And the one thing they teach you is do not make too many changes at once. You don't want to make big changes. And I really love that Devin and I, our goals are either continuations or they're pretty simple, like guidelines or things that we want to do, but they're not overly specific. They're not causing a lot of uproar or changes in our lives. And so I just want to applaud us for that. And uh, to tell you as listeners, uh, when you're setting your goals, whether it's reading or not, just be mindful that you're not making too many changes at once. You might have a lot of goals you want to do in the year. Just try to separate them out and scatter them out through the year. And that's going to be the best way that you're going to be able to actually stick to the goals. So sorry, counselor moment and me. Uh, goal two, the second goal I want to share with you all is genre related. My go-to genres are romance, fantasy, and YA mixed. This year, I want to read more sci-fi and mystery novels, specifically mystery series with detectives or long-lasting characters who build relationships over time. Both of these genres I have read or have a few books from last year and years previous, but I've never made a real attempt to explore the genre as a whole. If you think about it, genres have subtopics within them that need some exploration. If we pick up a subgenre that isn't for us, but we relate it to the genre as a whole, then we may never try it again. For example, if you are someone who likes fantasy and wants to try to read more books in fantasy, but hates romance, you may pick up a fantasy romance and then you're going to feel let down by the genre as a whole and think that all fantasies have a lot of romance in them and that it, fantasy isn't for you. So I want to be more intentional about genre exploration, specifically within mystery and sci-fi. What I want to continue to stay away from is thrillers because reader know thyself first. I'm not a thriller person, but Devin reads some here and there. And so she can bring those to the show for you guys. Who knows? I may read some really popular ones if I can get them from the library. But yeah, this is a good segue into my goal, my next goal for 2023, which I will share with you guys after Devin tells us about her next one. I'm going to change the order of how I talk about them because of what you just said. 
because one of my new goals is to read something out of my comfort zone. When it comes to reading, I actually think that I do a good job of reading a wide range of genres and topics. So I guess I'd like to think that my comfort zone is pretty big. I'm usually willing to give a book a few chapters. And I do think it's important, as you said, to read what you like. So don't get me wrong there. I think you should know what your absolutely nots are, what your maybes are. What I don't want to do is be judgmental or dismissive of genres, even though I know it sounds like I can be that way about historical fiction or fantasy or really long books or some classics. But I don't like when other folks just write off romance as a genre. So I don't want to be like that to other genres. So I'm looking for opportunities to read a mix of genres, actually like hybrid genres, like historical mystery. This might be a way that I can read historical fiction that I would enjoy more than usual. I will read historical fiction, but I almost always end up giving it three or three and a half stars. And that's just because it's just okay to me. I think it's because I want all that historical stuff to be in nonfiction books. I don't know. I just struggle with it. And it's a genre that my mom really loves. And so when we want to read books together, I sometimes will read that with her. And I think that we'll talk more about sort of comfort zones later in an upcoming episode. But I wanted to mention it now as a goal of mine. And I think for me, actually, Zach, doing this sort of hybrid combo will be helpful for me in occasionally choosing a read out of my comfort zone. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love how like similar and how different at the same time you and I are. All right. Goal three. Don't, don't, don't give into the hype. Don't give into the hype. I don't really have a lot to say about this. I think it really speaks for itself. I am halfway joking about this, but also not really. I think there is a fear as a content creator that you may upset someone if you don't like a book everyone else loved, or they, they may feel confused about you as a reader. And what I really have to say about that going into content creation in 2023 is I want to be honest with our listeners. And if someone gets upset or wants to question why I didn't like a book they loved, then maybe I was in a bad mood that day. Because let's get real, our moods can really affect the way we review a book. And so can the hype. I really just don't want that to happen this year. And I want to work hard to be a part of the bookish community while also thinking for myself as a reader. A good example of this is the Folk of the Air trilogy by Holly Black. I read the first book in the series, The Cruel Prince, about two years ago and felt pretty meh about it. But I had already bought all the books in the series, including the novella, as you do, and ended up selling them recently. When I was at Barnes & Noble shopping recently, I saw her new book in a spinoff series that everyone is so hyped up about, The Stolen Heir, and did a quick Google search to see if I could read it without finishing the other trilogy. Um, I sold and hated. Though it takes place in the same world, turns out you can read them separately as long as you agree to some mild spoilers. I went back and forth about this. The cover was absolutely beautiful. It was a Barnes & Noble exclusive edition, which they are doing more and more of, thankfully and decided to not get it because I also didn't like her adult debut book, The Book of Night. Uh, why I keep doing this to myself, I can only attribute to seeing it everywhere else and everyone else being obsessed with it and wanting to read it. Uh, so that's FOMO for you. Will I still give into this at some point this year? I mean, have you seen the Barnes & Noble exclusive copies of books, which would be useless if I either sold later or never read or read and hated? In summary, less FOMO in 2023. That is a good goal. That's a good one. Okay. Yes. 
So another new goal is probably, actually it's a lot of people's new goal, but I'm laughing because of the comparison. So my new goal is to read my physical books. Now, as I've talked about, I don't have as many books as a lot of my fellow readers. As you could see from our bookshelf pictures on Instagram, I have don't have a lot of home bookshelves. I, I have a lot of digital subscriptions. I use the library a lot. I enjoy reading on my Kindle. I actually have a tough time reading physical books. And I know how weird that sounds because so many people have told me they struggle the opposite way. But I just have a tough time reading physically for lots of reasons, I think. But I do have over 120 physical books. It might not seem like it, but I do have also books in my office. And I haven't inventoried my office in full, but I'm going to. And I'll also will have new books coming in that I need to account for. I was gifted a book of the month subscription for Christmas. I subscribe to a service called Book Drop, which supports an independent bookstore in Delaware. Um, it's cool because you can choose the genre of book that you're into, and then you receive a book unknown to you. It's a mystery book in that genre each month. You just get the book unless you also subscribe to some of the other services like stickers and things like that. So it's not like a book box. It's just the book. But they also have really cool hybrid subscriptions so you can mix genres. I love the anticipation of seeing which book was chosen and knowing that I'm supporting an independent bookstore. I actually recently changed my book drop subscription so that I can subscribe to romance and mystery. I do the four month subscription at a time. And so I will get uh, two romance and uh, two mystery. And I'm really excited to see what books are chosen. I'll put a link to the service in the show notes in case you want to check that out. So uh, other books will be coming in uh, and I'm sure I will probably buy some new releases or some backlists that call to me when I'm book shopping, when I'm visiting Zach. So I will need to add all of that to my inventory. So my initial goal is to just read at least 25 books from my physical shelves by the end of the year. This is two books a month. I'm putting all of the books in a spreadsheet and then twice a month I will randomly select a book. I'm also fully committing to DNFing or choosing another book if I'm unhappy with that reading after a couple of choices. Love this goal. I love a spreadsheet and I think you can do it and I'm proud of you uh, for that. As Devin mentioned, um, our Instagram, make sure you check that out. It's don't read the synopsis and there's an underscore between every word. It's also um, mentioned in the show notes. I had one more thing I wanted to say about my goals before we talk to you guys about either new releases or books uh, coming out soon or books that we already own that we want to share with you guys, sort of like a fake TBR sort of thing. But I had one more thing I wanted to say before we get into that. So I've summed up my goals for 2023. I'm starting a new job. Actually, by the time you're hearing this, I will have already started. As a whole, I want uh, I want more balance and positivity in 2023. And the only person who can make that happen is me. We often blame our lack of balance or lack of positivity on others. Whereas that can be true in some ways, it's mostly up to us to make it happen. So let's get it in 2023. I am committed to more balance and more positivity. I also have one more goal. Yeah, yeah, go. And this is something I've talked to you about 
Zach, and it will lead us into looking forward. But it is creating not a TBR, but the priority list or what I was calling hopefuls that I want to read each month. Last year on my blog, I did the mid-year freakout tag thing. And I wrote that I wanted to finish Gallant, Once There Were Wolves, and The Sacrifice by the end of the year. And this was really helpful to me when I was planning to visit my family for two weeks, like trying to pack and decide which books I was going to take. I knew exactly what books I had left. I knew exactly which audiobooks I needed to, to get to grab. And so I liked having just a few books that I was going to put at the, at the head of the line, I think is how you, you talked about it. I already have assigned reading, as I mentioned, like my, the book, monthly book club book, the things I read for class, buddy reads when they come along. So I know that I am able to accomplish that kind of reading, like reading certain things assigned to me, quote unquote, assigned to me. I'm hoping that having some kind of flexible list will work in my favor and that all of that resistance to being told what to do and the rebel side of me will just calm down and find a flexible list and a flexible plan and a hopeful list uh, acceptable. Sweet. Do you want to lead us into looking forward? Sorry, my watch decided it had something to say. She wanted to emphasize the flexible. <laughs> yes, she, she knows me well. Yeah, so um, I have a couple, I think I have three uh, books that I'm looking forward to that I want to talk about. The first is Rebecca Mackay has a new book coming out called I Have Some Questions for You. My description is going to be very brief because this is all I know. It's about a film professor who's also a podcaster, I believe. There's a past tragedy that happened when she was young at a boarding school and she, that she went to, and she's been trying to move on from that since it happened, except the boarding school has asked her to come back and teach. And this drags up a bunch of questions and doubts and drama about the past. It's published by Viking and comes out February 21st. And that's Rebecca Mackay. I have some questions for you. That sounds really good. It sounds maybe a little too literary for me, so we'll have to wait and see what you have to say about it. I want to make note here, Devin and I were talking about this before we started recording the show. Um, pronunciation of words is really difficult for me, uh, and that's not just words outside of the English language, but also in the English language, but I want to be better about that. So I did look up the pronunciation for a lot of words here. I may still butcher author names or things, but I want you to know as a listener that I am working to be better at this and uh, and I, I'm going to make an attempt of it. So the first book I want to share with you all, you guys is called Sorry Bro. So sorry, comma, bro. And it's by Talin Voskoutsny. This is releasing on January 31st. I will start by giving you the blurb that goes on that goes along with the synopsis, but without reading the synopsis to you. So here it goes. And Armenian American woman rediscovers her roots and embraces who she really is in this vibrant and heartfelt queer rom-com by debut author Talin Vauskowni. Vauskowni's struggle is real. I initially became interested in this once I saw the cover of it. It has two women on it seemingly having a picnic in front of the San Francisco bridge. It's very colorful and vibrant. So I want a physical copy of this for that reason, but make it sapphic and racially diverse and I'm ready to devour it. The appeal of this comes from the cultural influences from the main character's Armenian mother and the pressures of society to date a successful man. 
This is a sapphic romance, so we can expect she will fall in love with a woman along the way. From what I can tell you and what I can tell, there is a lot of commentary on the Armenian culture and as a whole, so I'm excited for that. This comes to you again on January 31st, and that was Sorry Bro by Talin Voskowni. It's hard. That we, sounds we amazing. That sounds amazing. I'm yes. not. I've not seen or heard of that. So that sounds very cool. Okay, not your ex's hexes. I think I got that in the right order. By April Asher is the second book in her supernatural singles book. Not the witch you wed. I believe is the first book. So this is the second one. Not your ex's hexes. Here we follow Rose from the first book who is experiencing some changes that upend her life. If you read the previous book, you know about that. There, It's pretty strongly connected and picks up where the last one left off. So in this one, she's going to work at or volunteer at an animal sanctuary and she meets a half demon veterinarian whose ex has cursed him. Okay, first of all, I love books. I didn't know this but I've read some recently romances with animal focused jobs like dog walking and grooming or vets because the, the animals usually play some kind of role and it's adorable. So this was like a new, I don't know if it's really a trope, but it's like a new focus. And I think I might be one of the only people who liked not the witch you wed. I liked the combination of political plot of the world and romance. So I'm interested to see where some of that stuff that we learned about how their society is run, where those points go, and how Rose is handling her life events. And this comes out pretty soon, February 7th, and it's published by St. Martin's. And that's Not Your Ex's Hexes by April Asher. Did you want to share your second one now too? And then I'll share the my last one. Oh yeah, I can talk about my last one too. Finally, I want to talk about The Shadow of Perseus by Claire Haywood. I'm hitting all different genres in this uh, looking forward. I am really intrigued by and loving these Greek retellings. Here, Haywood turns our attention to the women in Perseus's life, his mother, Danae, his sort of trophy, Medusa, and his wife, Andromeda. From their perspectives, we find out what is at stake for Perseus's glory. We see the ways he has disrupted and violently destroyed their lives. That's all I really need to know. I've always been kind of intrigued by Medusa and Medusa retellings and Andromeda. And I don't know a lot about Perseus's mother from Greek mythology. So I'm excited to see where this story goes and, and how it's retold. This is published by Dutton and is out February 21st, The Shadow of Perseus by Claire Haywood. So interestingly enough, Not the Witch You Wed, the first book in the Not Pure Exes Hexes book that Devin was just talking about was a book that I hated and DNF'd in October of last year. But the more I think about it and the more I change as a reader, I might give that one another shot this year. The cover is absolutely beautiful. And unfortunately, I already sold mine on Pango. So I might find myself getting another copy of that and trying it again. But the last book that I want to share with you guys is called A Witch's Guide to Fake Dating a Demon by Sarah Hawley, coming out on March 7th. Recently and not so timely, it comes way after Halloween, but it seems to be how it always works out for me. But I've been in the mood for supernatural romance. If I'm honest with myself, I'm always in the mood for supernatural romance, except when everyone else wants to me to read it, aka spooky season. I will give you the little blurb that's before the synopsis of the book. You know how we feel about that. Here it is. 
Marielle Spark knows not to trust a demon, especially one that wants her soul. But what's a witch to do when he won't leave her side? And she kind of doesn't want him to. Obviously, we have a fake dating situation happening here, which, if I'm honest, isn't one of my favorite romance tropes, unless it's done in a compelling and mostly believable way. So we'll see how this one handles it. When I read this, I will also be looking at how the world building is done, because when you mix elements of fantasy into a romance novel, even if it's light, I feel like it needs to be done in a way that makes sense, at least for me personally. This is a problem I've had with some other romances in the past that mix light fantasy. From what I can tell, this seems to be a funny and quirky book that you don't want to take too seriously, and by the time we make it to March 7th, I will surely need a dose of this. That was A Witch's Guide to Fake Dating a Demon by Sarah Hawley. I do find it interesting though, Zach, you're talking about, you know, reading outside of the spooky season, but these books are coming out. I mean, I don't know a lot. I don't know anything about publishing. So, you know, the Not Your Ex's Texas is February. That book is March. So the, the books are coming out in not spooky season. Well, I think we crave these things year round. There's just always an emphasis on that. But I did want to mention before I forget, and as we go to our cute little outro given by Devin, Devin and I are a brand new podcast. That means that we are getting used to editing and sound and flow and all sorts of things. Uh, We welcome your feedback, but just know that we are listening to these afterward and making adjustments and changes as we can. Uh, But please just be mindful of that. And thank you so much for listening. It makes a huge difference when you are a brand new podcast. So I just wanted to make note of that uh, before we leave the show. Yes, and all of, as usual, the books that we talked about and all of the places that you can find Zach, myself individually, and the, where you can find the podcast collectively will be listed in the show notes. And until next time, remember what you read is up to you, but take our advice. Don't read the synopsis. Stop recording.